Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start from verse 6 and read all the way to verse 16. And as you're finding that verse, once again, you could get all the notes. Um, hopefully some of your life group leaders have sent that to you already but you can get that on our website so you can follow along uh, with the outline that is provided for you. Uh, As many of you know, last week, uh, the theme that we introduced for our church in 2021 all the way to 2022 at the end of the summer, our theme is going to be, it's beyond. And we got that directly from scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. And I'm going to read it from the New American Standard Bible. Listen to what it says. It says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generation forever and ever. Amen. And when we read this verse, the question is, what is it elicit in our hearts? Do you really believe this? That God is able to do immeasurably more and just abundantly more beyond what we could even imagine or ask or think. And that's why we talked about how important it is for this verse to come true in our lives, is that we have to learn to understand God's power. He's the one who's able to do it. That's why we got to look to him. Trust in Him. Depend on Him. The second part that I mentioned is if you look at that last portion of that verse, it talks about to the glory to be to Him in the church through all generations. So everything we do, everything that we're going to be experiencing this year in 2021, 2022 is for the glory of God. It's it's not for any person, one person to be exalted or one church to be exalted. But it's the name of Jesus Christ, and God will receive all the glory and all the praise. That's why in the next several weeks, we're going to break this verse down into three parts. So today, I want to talk about in part one, beyond our imagination, to just talk a little bit, and I'll give you a little kind of like a overview in, in this quick couple phrases. To go beyond our imagination simply is our own limitations, things that we cannot even conceive of in our brain. But God will put it in us as we learn how to trust in him and depend on him. The second part we're going to talk about is beyond our power because we can't do it on our own power. There are a lot of dreams and things that God is going to place into your life. He's going to speak to you. He's going to put a desire in your heart to do great things for him. And we cannot do this in our own talents or wisdom or power, but it has to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about beyond going beyond our own power and beyond our own work and our own ability. And the third part we're going to be talking about is beyond our own generation, beyond our generation. Because everything that we do, we pray that it will be for the next generation. Those of us who are a little bit older, I hope that you have that kind of mindset as you're heading towards the twilight years, right? And the sunset years is that it's got to be for the next generation and in our children's generation. And that God will do some great things. And so as we start off, I want to just ask you this question. Do you know at what age... That your imagination and your creativity starts to diminish. Do you know? Well, I don't have the answer. 
and neither do a psychologist or psychiatrists or some of these researchers, but they don't have an official date or a year when a person being born into this world, and as many of you know, children being so imaginative and so creative, at what point do they lose all that? Uh, there was a research done by UC Berkeley and some of the psychologists there, they found out that creativity, uh, creativity generally tends to decline as we age into adulthood and we get less creative and then the children and their processes or their processes and thinking through some incredible things. I'm wondering when was the last time you imagined or was creative for God? Think about that for a moment. When was the last time that you were creative or imaginative, imagining great things for God? When was the last time? And I want us to kind of think about this because if this Bible verse is true that we just read, that he's going to go beyond our imagination and beyond what we think and what we ask. When was the last time? I want to show you this quick video. It's uh, made by Canon, uh, the camera company. And they started doing a series of videos called The Lab because they wanted to experience or experiment with uh, different things of limitations and help different photographers to come up and allow their ingenuity and creativity to flow. And so I want to show you this video because they did something that was really interesting because they got six six photographers, and they introduced a very special client to then describe the kind of photo that they want them to take. So let's watch this together. Wow. Uh, this is a little push for the multimedia team. Uh, if you want to join, you have some gifts and talents in that. But, but were you able to catch some of the words and phrases that these photographers used? They use words like limitations and that we create these fences or boundaries. And the more I think about it, I realize this is not just in your life, whether it comes to your personal life and your relationship with people or maybe just your goals that you have set. But I think that we put boundaries and limitations and fences around our spiritual lives. This is the reason why so many of you, even in this room right now, you are very comfortable with where you are. But the problem is that your Christianity that you're trying to live out cannot face some of the difficulties that you're going to have to go through in your life. The Christian life is not just about going to church on Sundays. It's not just about going to life group on Tuesday or Wednesday. There are so many things that God is wanting you and I to go beyond where we are right now. To begin to imagine and to think about beyond the fences, beyond the borders to say, God, what is it that you have for me to do? Where do you want me to be? In my spiritual life, I, I've been a Christian for 10 years or 20 years, however long you've been a Christian. And some of you to this day cannot share the last time you saw someone come to know Jesus Christ through your life. 
You've been a Christian for 10 years plus and you can't share a testimony where you stepped out in faith and you didn't know how it was going to come about, but God answered. And that built greater trust in him, knowing that God of the universe not only knows you, but he knows the situation you're in. This is the reason why many of us would rather just choose comfort and just look from the sideline as we see God do amazing things. What would it be like if every single one of us made a decision? I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines. I want to get in the game and I want to experience all that God has for me. I want God to show me all that he has for our life group. I want God to show me all that he has for our church. I love what Paul King said. He's a computational neuroscientist. So bottom line, he's smart. Uh, You just have to add some stuff after your name and you seem like a smart guy. He states the development of patterns of thought that plays a part in people's imagination and creativity. And I thought it was such a insightful it's it's not anything new but the way he described it as a computational neuroscientist made it that much better listen to what he writes he says this as people become good at life they develop habits of thought that serve them well these habits are thought styles that work get get results impress people carry us through difficult situations and on and on as we accumulate thought techniques three things happen now listen to me carefully this is important What he's saying is that as you start getting older, you start developing these lifestyles or these techniques at life that works for you, that gets you the grade, that gets you the job, that gets you that into that relationship. So what happens is that we get conditioned. So listen to how he explains it. He says this, these thought techniques, there are three things that happen. Number one, we become more effective and able to effortlessly navigate tricky waters. Second, we adapt to social norms and accept ways of thinking, making us more effective with people and society. Number three, we become prisoners of our own success. Sticking with what works makes us both more successful and less creative. Did you get that? What he's saying is these thought techniques that all of us have is that we begin to develop things and it works during these tricky waters when we go through difficult times. So we stick with it. Or we begin to adapt to the social norms. Oh, this is how I'm going to be accepted. This is how I'm going to be loved. This is how people are going to approve of me. So you begin to stick with that norm and that boundaries. Or I think something that it really is keeps us in prison is success. How often in your life, even in an organization, a company, or even a church, when things are successful, we just think that that's how we should keep on doing it, but it's generations old. We're not creating, we're not inventing, we're not trying to go out beyond the things that we are called to do because we have the greatest creator in this world who created us He's the greatest creative. And therefore, as he created us, he has given us, as we're made in his image, the ability to create, to imagine. That's why I'm wondering if this is what happened to us in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God. Over the years, we have less faith, less confidence in God, 
in terms of what he can do and what he is doing in our lives. And we're okay with that because at least we're secure. At least we don't have to fear this risk of losing things. But that's the very thing that God calls us to give up your life, to follow him and experience a life that you've only could imagine or dream of. Henry Ward Beecher said this from the Proverbs from Plymouth pulpit. He said, the imagination is a secret and marrow of civilization. It is the very eye of faith. The soul without imagination is what an observatory would be without a telescope. I love that sentence. That is a powerful, a soul without imagination is an observatory without a telescope. Those of you like, what, what, what is that? It is like dim, Hong Kong without dim sum. Oh, now I know what he's trying to say, right? It just doesn't work. doesn't make sense. The soul's hours of strong excitement are its luminous hours, its mountains of vision from which it looks over the landscape of life with unobstructed gaze and takes bearings for its direction when going down to the valley. There's going to be many valleys in your life. To be able to have that kind of direction and passion and to see something that is beyond yourself and to live life in that way. I want to talk about that this morning, about going beyond our imagination and how it is through God's spirit that will fuel this imagination and get us to where we need to be. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this. It's right up here. It says this. God ignites our imagination to get us to our destination. He's going to illuminate things into our minds, into our hearts, so that he can get us to where we need to be, the very destination that God has for us. So let's say this together. Come on, the count of three. One, two, three. God ignites our imagination to get us to our destination. I'm going to talk about two things that we, we have to do in order for God to ignite our imagination to get us to our destination. It's a response to what God is already doing in our lives. The first thing is this. We must depend on God's spirit, that we must depend on God's spirit. Let me first kind of give a little context of what's going on as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As we start off this letter in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue of division in the church. There was, there was disunity in the church. And the reason why is because people in the church started taking sides about who they're learning from, who their discipler is, who their leader is. And some, say, some people were saying, I follow Paul. Some people were saying, I follow Apollos. Some people were saying, I, I follow uh, 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 Cephas. And then some people are like, what's wrong with you guys? Just follow Jesus, right? So here's this discussion of who are they learning from? Who are, they follow, who are they following? And here's Paul, and he makes it very clear, following human leaders and teachers and mentors are not a bad thing. But ultimately, we need to follow the Spirit of God as he leads us. So he wanted to make sure that everyone knew that it's not through human wisdom that brought us salvation. It is not through what we know and how we can think about things that brought us to where we are. He makes it very clear that it is through the wisdom of God and the power of God. That's why chapter one is such a powerful chapter. 
Because what does he say? He goes, that's why the foolishness of God, God is wiser than human wisdom. It doesn't mean that God is foolish. But he says, if God were to be foolish, it, it could be he could be the dumbest person in the whole world. It's so much better than even the smartest person on this earth. He also says the weakness of God, not that God is weak, but if it was God was weak, it's stronger than any human strength here on this earth. Therefore, trying to take sides and to boast in who you are affiliated with, Paul is saying it's better to boast about who God is. Now, this is going to set us up for what he's going to talk about next and where I want to draw this idea about how God ignites and fuels our imagination so that he can bring us to our destination. Let me go ahead and read verse 6 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 13. Listen to what it says. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for they had, they would have, have not, would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of a man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except for the Spirit that, of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Let me explain a little bit of what's going on. And I want to build this case about how we must learn to depend on God's Spirit. Paul is once again quickly mentioning that the wisdom of this world is all going to pass away. You know, let me translate that. At the end of the day, your GPA is not going to matter. Some of you still don't believe me. Some of you still don't believe me. It's okay. This is what we call earthly wisdom, and we'll give you some wisdom here. I know it matters right now. I know it feels like it matters right now. That's why you're all stressed, those of you who are students. But let me say this to you. You can get a 4.0. You can get a 4.0. You blow that scale out. You can get a 5. But if you suck at life, you're not going to go very far. I've seen people with lower than three point whatever GPA in the twos. But they have character. They have social skills. They know how to handle situations. And they're the ones who are rising up in the management level. Think about this. Who really knows what school you graduated from unless you're wearing your university sweatshirt? Or if that's so important to you, you ask that person. When you start working, it's not about what school you went to, what GPA you have, it's what you produce. It's what you can do. 
And so, so often we put so much emphasis on how much we know, but then there's so many other areas of our lives that we have not paid attention to. So what he's saying is that the wisdom of this world is all going to fade away. It's going to go. But it's the secret and the hidden things of God that will last forever. The things that God will reveal to us. The wisdom of God is so great that no one understood or even imagined what God's plan was going to be in terms of salvation. Think about this for a moment. You know what he's saying? If you knew what it was, you would not have crucified Jesus Christ. But it was through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Let me rephrase that. Pretty much what he's saying is no one thought that salvation was going to come through a crucified Savior. It's just beyond our understanding. That's why Jewish people rejected him. That's why the Greeks and all Gentiles, the non-Jews rejected him. It wasn't even conceivable in a person's mind that salvation was going to come through this way. And I think it's interesting that in verse 9, as we have read, the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. Now, you need to understand where that verse comes from. It is in reference to a prayer that the prophet Isaiah says and lifts up to God. It was a prayer for God to intervene on the behalf of the remnants of Israel, those who were left behind, of those people who would place their hope in him and they're praying this prayer. I thought this was powerful, this idea of no eyes have seen, no ears have heard of what God is going to do to those who love him. That God hasn't forgotten about you. He knows what he's doing. Some of you right now are going through things in your life that you have no human wisdom or comprehension of. Why did this loved one pass away? Why am I going through this difficult thing? Why is my family struggling with this or that? Why am I going through this? Why am I physically ill? Why am I going through all these things in my life? Relational conflicts, whatever it may be in your life. And what Paul is trying to say is that even from the prophet of old, there are things that God is doing right now in your life that you have no clue about. You can try to sit there and try to imagine and try to figure things out, but you will never fully understand because these are the hidden and secret things of God in which he will reveal to us. And in this context, it is about salvation. But when you think about practically in your life, there are a lot of things that God wants to birth and to bring forth into your life if you would only learn how to depend on him and not in yourself. That's why Paul uses his concept in reference to how God intervenes with his grace, which is totally unexpected and is given to those who love him. This idea of those who love him, that God is working, it's a very powerful thought. You remember Romans chapter 8, verse 28? Let me read it for you in the New Living Translation and read the yellow section, highlighted part, out loud with me. It says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This idea of those who love God and God who has chosen them for a purpose in their life. Listen to some of these other translations for other insights. Listen to what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, and we know with great confidence. When was the last time you knew something and you had that kind of confidence? And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply what? Concerned about us. That's what I'm saying. Many times, like, he doesn't care. Why is he letting me go through this? 
you don't understand. You, you don't know the truth. You don't know what God is trying to do in your life, but he deeply cares about you. And he says, causes all things to work together as a plan for good of those who love God and those who are called according to his plan and purpose. We see that phrase again. The Passion Translation says this, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, for we are his lovers. Wow, what language is that? We're his lover. We love him. He loves us, and we love him. We have been called to fulfill his design purpose. When you have a designer who's designing something, it's supposed to work. That's why they're the inventors, and then you have the designers, and because they're following the invention. Here's God. He's both the inventor and the designer and the producer. The voice translation says this, and we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. It's an invitation. He's never going to force you. He invites you to be part of his plan. To humble yourself to say, God, I, I don't, my plans are so petty. I don't even know what I want to do, but I want to trust in you. As we learn to love God, who has called us into this relationship with him, he's going to work things for our good and for his glory. That's why we can believe and trust in him, that he's going to work out all things. Something that I'm learning over and over again is that God uses sometimes the mundane, the ordinary, and sometimes he uses things from the past to reteach us a lesson that's very important. Uh, as you know, uh, we started a new life group at the City U and the Baptist U campus. Okay, praise God. Praise God. You can tell these guys are really excited that we started something there. Um, and those of you who ever, you know about entrepreneurship or starting new things, you realize it's all hands on deck. It's not like, oh, you're so good at just uh, talking. So why don't you just talk? Oh, you're so good at just putting things together. So why don't you just put things together? No, it doesn't work that way. When you start something from scratch, I don't care if you can know how to talk or you know how to, you know how to put things together. You got to do it. So we're trying to find a place to have our life group. And as you know, a lot of the campuses, they will not allow people who are not of that university to be a part of it. So we were racking our brain. And finally, we decided to meet because it's one station away in my place and that they have a clubhouse. And downstairs, they have like this theater thing where it could fit about maybe 20 some people, 20, 30 people. So we said, okay, let's rent it out. Cheap. So we said, let's do that. But the thing is that someone, you cannot rent it out unless you are a resident of that place. So my leader, uh, those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm co-leading this one. Uh, my leader tells me, Pastor Seth, I need you to go in and wait in line and uh, rent it out and then pay for it. So like everything inside of me says, say what? You know, you know I, I have sermons to prepare. I have lives to change. I have the world to transform. You know, I'm like, so you want me to go? She goes, well, you know, I would do it, but you have to be a resident of that place. 
I was just thinking, this is when you need kids to be in the house, you know? So, you know, I'm like, okay. So I said, I'll do it. So here I am on a busy day and I only had like an hour. So I'm downstairs and I'm realizing I have to wait in line. So here I'm waiting in line. And as I'm waiting in line to get the reservation and to pay for it and things, a thought came to my mind. And this was a thought. I didn't swear, but I was thinking, <laughs> what in the world? Maybe I said, heck, what the heck am I doing waiting in line to pay for this room when I have so many other things to do? And you know, when you have like different thoughts that go through your mind, like God is like, <laughs> go ahead, entertain it. Go ahead, think about it a little bit more. But here I am, as I'm thinking about this, and my mind started going. And I realized that I haven't waited in line to rent out anything for our church for the last 20-some years. Which means that I've always had people that we were working with that can do those things for me, and I can just focus on the things that I need to focus on. I remember doing some of that that first year when we planted in Michigan in 1996, but I, I couldn't remember the last time I did it. So here I am standing in line thinking, what, what, what am I doing here? And then I'm like, I haven't done this for the 20 plus some years. And it's like I said, God is just funny. He, I think he just wanted me to think a little bit more. He goes, go ahead and entertain yourself. Think of some other stuff. Then I was thinking like, do they know who I am? Like, I'm so important. I'm going to have to speak in front of people. I have to prepare all these materials for all this kind of stuff. And, I'll, and God is just like, keep, keep going. And in that moment, as I was standing there having all these crazy thoughts, and I, got, I went a little bit deeper. I'm like, this is beneath me. God is like, huh. huh. That, that's when he spoke up. God says, who do you think you are? Now, thank God it wasn't an audible voice because if it was, I'd be like, you know, who, who's talking to me? But I got this impression God was almost like saying to me, who do you think you are? Because when we first started the church back in 1996 in Michigan, these are things that I would gladly do because we wanted to see lives transformed. Somewhere along the line, I thought to myself, like, I'm too good for this now. Like, this is beneath me. I can get some other people to do that. But God was almost as if saying, this is what you need. This is good for you. Because sometimes you could think that you're better than you really are. And you want to start something on this campus, these two campuses. It's not going to be by your power, by your might, by your eloquence, by your wisdom. It's going to be by the spirit and the power of God. And if I tell you to wait in line to get a room, then you better wait in line and get a room. After that, I'm just like, yes, sir. And I'm like, give me that room. You know, I think too often we forget it's, it's a spirit that not only speaks to us in that way, but it's a spirit that empowers us. That's why verse 10 it's so important. It says the things of God are revealed through what? Through the Spirit. 
It's the spirit of God that's going to reveal things and ignite our imagination for the things of God. That's why in John chapter 16, verse 13, listen to what it says. When the spirit of the truth comes, say this with me, he will guide you into all truth. That the spirit of God will guide you into all truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus speaking. He will not speak on his own, uh, on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. This is how the message translation translates this. It says this, but when the friend, he comes referring to the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a close counselor, he's a friend, the spirit of truth, he will, come on, let's all say this together, take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself. He will make sense of what is about to happen. Indeed, out of all that I have done and said. For those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God is now in you. And it is this Spirit that will give us the understanding. It is this Spirit that will ignite the imagination. That's why we got to learn how to depend on the Holy Spirit. How about us this morning? When was the last time you depended on God for wisdom in a situation? Can I even go? I'm wondering how many of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, before you open up a book and to study, that you actually pray and ask God to give you the wisdom. I, I don't know how many of you have ever done that. I remember doing that my second year in college. Before I would touch any of these books, I would pray, knowing that these wisdoms that I'm learning from these books are just temporary. As I always say, organic chemistry will not transform your life. I mean, like, thank God. I mean, it'll transform you. Like, it will give you a lot of stress and pain in that way. But it will not transform your life. When was the last time before you went to work? Because you have a tumultuous relationship with your boss or some co-workers that you actually went early just to pray, to so sit there quietly when no one else is there just to pray. Pray for your office. Pray for your cubicles around you. Are you depending on the Holy Spirit? So through that, as you're depending on him, he will ignite your imaginations to get you to your destination. When you go through difficult times, do you depend on God and think about what he's trying to show you? A lot of times we just complain. But if you would just quiet your soul and listen, he's going to try to teach you something. Why am I waiting in line for this? This is beneath me. If you would just quiet your soul, God will speak to you. God ignites our imagination to get us to our de destination. Therefore, we must depend on God's spirit. Let me close with the second point is simply this. Not only must we depend on God's spirit, but we must discern God's truth. That we must discern God's truth. I want to finish off in verse 14 through 16. Listen to what it says. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul is making this incredible claim that without the Spirit which he refers to those people who are the natural, the natural person, 
they will not be able to understand the things of God. Now, let me say this. If you are not a believer in this room or you're listening or watching online, it doesn't mean that God cannot speak to you because he has to be the one that will convict you of your sin and see Jesus as the Savior and that you repent of those sins and you turn to him. That has to be the Spirit of God. But in terms of understanding things that are spiritual, that you have to have the spirit. That's why a lot of times we come into different things. It could even be a life group and you're in a huddle group and studying the Bible. But if you don't have the spirit of God in you, some of these things, it just doesn't make sense. That's why we try to do our best as leaders and in our life group to make it simple enough that even though you don't have the spirit of God inside of you, you can understand some of these truths. That's why we use illustrations. That's why we try to help people to understand some of these things that God is trying to say. Now, the fact is, here's Paul that says that a person who is not spiritual, meaning that the spirit is not in them, they will reject the truth because they think it's folly. They think it's stupid. My translation. Listen to these translations and you'll get what I'm trying to say here. But the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and the revelation of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical. Those of you who are pre-Christians in this room, how many times you saw some of the Christians do something like, huh? You know, it's like illogical. It's kind of stupid. Why are they doing this? It's very absurd. It's absurd to him. And he is incapable. Listen to that. He is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. The other translation, the Passion Translation says that someone living in an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him. He cannot understand the revelation of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. This is the reason why I'm telling you right now, some of you who love people that are not believers and you want them to come to know Jesus Christ, it is not because how nice you are. It's not because how loving our community, even though that plays a part, they are spiritually dead. They don't have the spirit in them to understand. That's why we need more prayer for transformation and for salvations than anything else. This is the reason why if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, what you should be committed to is learning how to pray and ask God, Lord, reveal yourself to this person. Not by how nice I live my life. When I talk to pre-Christians and they go, you know, pastor, some of the stuff is like a little bit too crazy for me. Or it just seems like, whoa, out there. And then I try to reassure them. I understand. I was like that. You know, when you look at some of the Christians, you're like, uh, you know, eh. and so it's just kind of like throws you off a little bit. But then I give them this example and I said, uh, do you know what it feels like to be in an environment where you think people are like really crazy and you think they're going a little bit overboard? And they're like, yeah, you guys right now, you know, so then I'm like, okay, just hold on. I said, let's say you're like an alien and you're from a different planet and you don't know anything about sports. And then all of a sudden you get landed right in in a uh, sports stadium and in an arena. And you see some of the crazy stuff that goes on. Like, what do you think you would think? What do you think in terms of like how you would feel in that moment? For them to have to think about a little bit like, I guess we're a little bit crazy too. If you don't believe me, let me show you this picture. Let's just say you have no idea about 
fans or sports. By the way, the word fans comes from the word fanatics, right? So, you know, these crazy people. So here they are. Does anyone know what this is? I don't know if some of you know. This, this is one of the most popular basketball teams in the whole world, the college basketball. It's the Duke Blue Devils. And these, these fans, they're crazy. Can you imagine? There are a lot of people who are not believers. They look at this and go, oh, this is normal. I don't know about you, but if you don't like sports and you see this, what would you be thinking? They're what? Crazy. A little bit fanatic. Why? Anyone who loves sports, come on now. Those of you who love sports, you know what this means, right? This is good stuff right here. You connect with this. One more month. Get ready. Harvest Games. All right? All right, all right, all right. Hold on. So think about it for a moment. If you have no interest in sports, you're going to think this is crazy. If you don't understand sports, this is crazy. But those who do understand it and do know it and they love it, this is just natural. And once I explain it that way, they go, oh, that makes sense. Because right now, you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you. That's why when we sing songs, when you see people lifting up their hands, when you see people even crying when they're singing or they're hearing our message, or even during prayer time, you're like, what is going on, you know? Why are they dimming the lights? I don't know why. Sometimes it just makes it more intimate. But anyway, they're dimming the lights. Why is that guy playing the keyboard? It looks like someone's going to die kind of music keyboard. Like, and you're like, oh, my God. Why? Because once again, you don't understand it. Because it's new, it's foreign to you because the Spirit of God is not in your heart. But let me just say this to you. But you keep on coming. You keep on coming. You keep on interacting and you realize, wait a minute, something's different about this. Something's different about these people. It kind of feels like a concert, but not really. It kind of feels like, you know, when we're sharing in these other groups, but not really. Why is this important? Because Paul is... Con- contrasting or comparing the natural man or the natural person and the spiritual person. And he's saying that because we have the spirit of God in us, we're able to judge and evaluate things. That simply means you're able to discern. What he's saying is that we're able to discern things and that is a sign of maturity. I think this is the reason why it's important to know the word of God. You know, I, I come across so many different people and I'm thankful because I meet different people from different nations and different places, backgrounds, different religions. And one of the things that I realized is that there are people that I meet that claim to be Christians and I sit down and we talk about different things. And then I'm listening carefully. I realize that they're giving advice or little phrases that are good phrases, but they're not biblical. And when I sit there, I'm like, wait a minute, this person's a Christian? In my mind, I'm thinking, how did they get that? That's when I quickly conclude, oh, they're not a very mature Christian. They're just starting off, or maybe they haven't really read the Word of God. We're talking about people who might be 20 years Christian in. They might be a Christian for 20 years, but they have never read through the whole Bible. So the advice that they're giving is sounds good. It might almost seem biblical, but it's not. It's like Chinese Confucianism. You're like, wait a minute, that kind of sounds right, but no, no, that's not right. So a lot of times what's shared 
and what is discerned, it's through what we have learned over the years from our parents who are not believers. And so once again, what Paul is trying to emphasize is this. Human advice can be good, but it cannot compare to the word of God, which is the truth that can transform your life. This is what we have to discern. You want God to ignite your imagination so that you can get to a destination? Not only do you have to depend on the Holy Spirit, but you have to discern God's truth. There are a lot of people who go, you know what? God told me to do this. I'm like, uh, where? Like, you could add God to anything and you could legitimize it. Let me give you, uh, Pastor Seth, God told me to kill her. What? I'm, I like to use extreme illustrations to help you to understand the point first. And then we go to the gray areas. Right away, something should be alerted because why? The Bible says what? You should not kill. You should have murder. I was like, I don't know what. So usually I always say, I don't know what kind of God told you that, but that's not the God I would. Here's a, here's a good one. The brother comes in. What's up? Goes to that girl and says, you know what? God told me that you're the one for me. And some of you girls who might not be very discerning. Okay, yes, Lord. I, 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 some of you guys are like joking around, laughing, thinking it's really, but it doesn't actually happen. Of course, not in Hong Kong, you know, all these other places, but it has happened. So I usually advise the girls because sometimes the girls are freaking out. They're like, but God told them. And I. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I had to clear my throat to tell this one. I go, what, what, what is it that God is telling you? I don't think so. So I said, this is what you say next time. Thank you for letting me know and sharing your heart. But until my God tells me the same thing, I don't know if this is going to work out. I can give you examples after examples, but the point is this. If you do not have the word of God that allows you then to look at situations in your life and to discern what they are, you could be easily led astray. I think for many of us, we end up what? Trusting in our own understanding and our own perspective of things. This is what happened with Job. If you know the story in the Bible. He went through all these difficulties in life and he was still trying to hold on to his faith. All his friends, his wife even told him, curse God and just die. But he kept on holding on to his faith. And somewhere along the line, he got worn down. And he goes, you know what? Yeah, God, I've been trying to live my life for you. Why are all these things happening to me? And then here's God responding to him. And then he realized, okay, okay, God, I was just kidding. <laughs> you're, you're awesome. And God says, I'm not done yet. Let me read that for you. Okay, it says this. Then God said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth and with my hands. So pretty much what's happening is like, he kept on complaining to God and God says, are you my critic? Who do you think you are? Then he goes, okay, God, I was just kidding. Sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry. And guess what God does? Because when he says, I, I, I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say, God. God says, answer Job from the whirlwind. The vortex of his love. The, the, the whirlwind. The whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. How often do we make some conclusions and we realize later, oh, that was so off. God says, were you there when I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when you see these miracles and beautiful things that happen? You had nothing to do with it. I, God of the universe, God Almighty is doing things. That's why you got to trust me. This is why in verse 16, Paul quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, and saying that no one can understand the mind of God except those who have the mind set on Christ. Once again, it's his spirit and his word that will enable us to have the mind of Christ. Let me ask you, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? It's simply a person who thinks like Christ. They see everything in their life from the mind of Christ. They see everything from the viewpoint of Jesus Christ. So when there's a situation that's happening, instead of complaining, you can say, God can actually use this to build my character. When you don't get a job or you don't get that opportunity that you thought you were going to get, that internship, whatever it may be, that exchange, you don't get it. Instead of saying, oh, God, why? You start feeling loathsome to yourself. Loathsome to yourself. You can say, like, you know what? God has something different. He, may, he might actually want me to go there or stay here or do this or do that. That's the mind of Christ. But too often, our thoughts and our desires are not like God. That's why in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are, come on, let's say this together, far beyond anything you could imagine. I love that the word beyond and imagine is right there. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I want to ask you this morning. Do you have the mind of Christ in all areas of your life? How about when it comes to your decisions, relationships, your future? Do you have the mind of Christ or is it self-centered set on yourself? I'm wondering, do you see the truthfulness of God's word in your life and it encourages you? Because every time I obey, blessings come. Everything he says, it is true. Have you witnessed that? Have you experienced that? Do you have the mind of Christ? You got to discern God's truth. And this is the reason why it is a simple gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is this, that you and I, we have rebelled against God. We have decided in my own wisdom, in my own power, I'm going to do my own thing. And as you have done that for some years of your life, look at where it's at. Not only is there confusion, there's emptiness and purposelessness. And you're feeling this on a regular basis. You use people for your own advantage. And something inside of you says something is wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Is there another way? And this is where the good news comes in. God knew that something was wrong. And that's why he loved you enough 
to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. So now if you have faith and trust in him and believe in him, you repent of your sins and you said, I want to think like God, the mind of Christ. You depend on his spirit and you discern this truth that he's speaking to you about. That's when you will have new life. I'm just wondering if some of you would want to make that commitment even this morning. To those of you who are believers, you could have you could have said that prayer many years ago, but your life still looks like as if you're the God of your own life. You need to repent and realize that you're not going to belittle and make light of the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember the cross. Turn back to him. And say, God, I'm surrendered to you. I want to depend on your spirit. But once again, the one thing is God ignites our imagination to get us to our specific destination. He's working on you. He's working on me. He's working on us as a church to get us to where we want, where God wants us to be. I wanted to just give us some quick next steps so that we can leave here at least knowing what it is that we're called to do. And this is just more of a suggestion, maybe some things to think about, and then you could come up with your own, but I'm gonna give you at least three things. The first thing is this. Just pause throughout the day to give God praise. The reason why sometimes we get so dulled in our imagination and the, to think and dream for God is because we're just running around from one thing to another. It'll be awesome if you could learn how to just pause and just give some praise to God. The second thing is this, is to pray for God's perspective on all things. Because once again, it's about getting God's perspective. Really asking him to help us, to help me to see this situation with your mind, with your eyes, with your heart. And the third and last thing is prioritize your time in God's work. Some of us, we have been slacking in reading God's word. That's why right now you don't have the wisdom to be able to know and discern what is the truth. I think it's very important that you make a commitment to do so or whatever it is, your method of doing it, just to read God's word, get your mind renewed so that it will be the truth and the word of God that will direct you and guide you. I don't know how many times, there are times when I'm just reading God's word and I get this idea. And on my phone, I, I use Google, uh, Google Notes and I have hundreds and hundreds of notes that I just write down because as I'm reading, I get these ideas. Pastor Bo knows because sometimes we have to come up with sermon ideas and I'm just writing down some of these sermon titles that we would love to do in the future. Sometimes it's about a vision of where God wants our church to go. So in many ways, God can actually spark and ignite your imagination as you allow the word of God to enter in. And then from there, he's going to bring you to that destination, wherever he wants you to be. It's going to take faith, trust, dependence on God, and discernment of that truth. And I pray that every single one of us will get to that place. Let's go beyond our own limitations and let's start imagining great things for God. 
Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.